Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, he chose this one. This is episode 169, Fast and Furious 6, Lap 8. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Everest. With the peak, pinnacle, and summit, they're your resource for all of your cool tank needs. The Everest brand of cryotherapy systems was created by the leader in electric cryotherapy systems, CryoBuilt. Shout out to Everest cryo systems everestcryo.com well shout out to everest i think it's a different kind of tank i believe in the movie but i'm cool with any kind of cool tank it's a cool tank get your body cool cool. tank well welcome to the show after the break we'll be joined by heather antos to talk about fast and furious six in case you missed it we have put out a bonus episode back to a friday release for the first time this lap Mm -hmm. because we got the shot we had a chance to talk to ms boswell Linda Boyd herself, the actress who plays Ms. Boswell in Tokyo Drift. So check that out, because it was a blast. It was so much fun. I, I listened to a little bit at the beginning this morning as I was listening to it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to save this, because I think um, I'm going to make Rachel listen to it, too. But she was super wonderful, so very she was great. to her. Yeah. We talked about this and the X-Files and Supernatural and She's the Man and all sorts of things, right? So like a 45-minute interview now available wherever you get podcasts. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last recorded? I told you yesterday morning, yesterday was like nearly a perfect day for me in the sense okay that yes 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 this never happens right a lot of times like whenever I want to watch sporting things they're all on the same time right because you know on the east coast they're usually on at like seven right so it's you know it's hard to not have this but yesterday I had three different sporting events I wanted to watch they all happened at different times so the pirates were on at one soccer was on at three and then the Penguins were on at 7. Oof. The Pirates only played 5 innings, so they ended at 2.45. Like it was drawn up that way. Then soccer, you know, is 90 minutes, so it ended at 5.30-ish. Got a shower, watched the Penguin game. Wait, and did then... you say get a shower? Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> this is a thing. I know. I'm Rachel's laughing in her soul. Wait, does she say take a shower? Probably. I don't know. Anyways, all the Pittsburghers fucked this up, so this is like a common thing. Yeah, I've heard it before. It's not it's not new to me, but it's yes. new to me within the context of you. Like, I'm going to go take a shower, but you're saying, I'm going to go get a shower. Yes. We all say get a shower, Weird. and we drop Weird. all of our but two okay. B verbs. Like, this needs washed. This needs dried. Ooh. Yeah, that's like a very common thing that we do. So if you paid Ooh. attention Mm-mm. more, Mm-mm. or I said this things to you, I get Mm-mm. laughed at it by everyone all the time. It's a just a Pittsburgh thing. Sorry. I went to take a shower. <laughs> And then watch the Penguins, who won a wonderful game. And last, Sid the Kid, right? What without Sid the Kid? Yes. So he has. He's on the COVID list. Sid the Vid. Has he yes. made me that joke yet? Oh no, no one, no one's made that joke to me yet. Oh man, he's on the COVID list. The team usually actually somehow plays better when he's not there. Not that they're a better team when he's not there. Just they play better. Like they're like more structured. As usual, they had a very good game without him because, like, everybody else steps up knowing that he's not going to carry them. So they won, and then at 10 o'clock, it was rounded out with uh, Temptation Island. So, Ooh. like, it, it was so mind-boggling to me. My friends, I, you know, I was telling my friends that um, I watch reality TV with, you know, about my, like, daily lineup. 
that day and they're like it feels like when you go to a music festival and none of your things overlap you're just like oh everything gives me plenty of time to get between stages none of the artists i want to see are playing at the same time the small joy of that lining up so perfect yesterday just is getting me through the rest of the week man Ooh. it's like it's just great right like sure. it, it never fucking happens so I, like, I could take you know as much small joy as i get and um but everything was great i got to watch everything that was fun um, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, you probably saw Rachel's tweets, we got super into what we like to call Gold Show, which is Gold Rush on Discovery. Like, I put on a random episode of it, like, whatever, and it's these guys that are mining for gold in Alaska, right? Like, that's what they do. And so we decided we were, like, going to watch, like, the first season of it, and it turns out it was just, like, these five random dudes that just, like, lost their jobs during the recession in Oregon and had no experience ever mining gold. Cool. And off they were to a like, good start. Off to a great start. There's, like, a mechanic, a realtor, and, like, some other guys. They're like, we're going to go to Alaska and mine gold this summer. It goes exactly how you'd expect. They know nothing about mining gold. It's fucking wild. So we finished the first season. We're into the second season of it. I don't know if these guys stay on forever. The people from the first season are back in the second season. I don't know how the show is going to play out. It's super fascinating. But pretty much everything you could do wrong, they do wrong. And every time they like about to start getting gold, everything breaks. Perfect. And, cool. Very, very cool. And that's like the whole show. And they just do moronic shit to begin with. Like, like <laughs> pretty much like every time they do something and like they'll finally three months into the season that's only like four months long they finally called like a consultant and he's like oh you guys haven't been doing anything right this entire time and like you're just washing all your gold into this like water here <laughs> the only thing that makes me not feel bad for these people is that i know that they're getting paid for the show as much as they're being morons and not making money from gold they're like on tv so hopefully discovery's paying them some money it seems like they are because they're back for the second season so yeah I'm actually super addicted to it, though, because it's just, like, it's really fascinating. Somehow, it feels like none of these guys can get gold in the first, like, three months of the season every year. How many seasons have there been? Did you see that? There is 11 seasons of this Oh, show. Jesus. Okay. I'm only on two. Even, like, the guys that are, like, good at it, veteran, because, like, now season two, there's, like, different characters, right? Like, other guys that are, like, other places that are trying to mine gold. I'm, like, halfway through season two, and pretty much no one's found gold yet at all. Huh. So huh, okay. everything that they do is fucked up every time and everywhere. Cool. Okay. Let me think. What have I been up to? I beat the main game in the Spider-Man game. So I got to play the DLC oh, nice. and I got to play the Miles Morales. So that's cool. That's fun. It's a separate game. I thought, I didn't know how this, uh, the Spider-Man Miles Morales thing was working. I so really I didn't know either. Can you explain it to me? Because I thought that it was just going to be like, you could play. That's what I thought. Pretty much in a skin of yes. Spider-Verse. That's what I thought. So that's what I thought, too. So the okay. original Spider-Man game came out like four years ago or something on PS4. When the PS5 came out, they put out the Miles Morales version for both PS4 and PS5. And if you okay. bought, you could buy the, the base game, just the Miles Morales itself for 40 or the two together for 70 And I hadn't played the original and I still had it sealed. So I sold the original seal for like 20 You have a long history of doing this. I know, but like it that's why I don't open things until I'm ready it's to use genius. them because like I can resell them. It's very, very smart. And you usually recoup a lot of your cost. That's awesome. Yeah. Decide to play Spider Man and I fire Miles Morales and like it basically begins with a previously on Spider Man and I'm like no, hey, no, no, on, no, no, what? It was like, hold on. And so I Googled and like because I, I looked into my game like I looked 
at the listing in the PlayStation Store, and I was like, okay, so here's the deluxe edition, and I knew that it included the base game plus the thing, yeah. but I thought it was just, like, part of the thing or whatever, like, basically what you just said. And so I'm Googling, I'm, like, looking at, I, I literally have to go to three different websites, and then eventually I find out that you have to go to your game library, so just, like, in the PlayStation, like, the list of games, it'll be there then. So, like, it was easy enough to find there, but, like, I would never think to look there. Yeah. I would think to look at the place where I spent the $70 to get the game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I download that game, which is another, it's 70 gigs as well, so, like, it's also huge. Um, so I download that, and I'm playing that. So, like, I don't think the save carries over. Like, I think it's a totally separate game, but I think it's maybe a little bit more streamlined. I don't know. Like, this is kind of, like, GTA sort of, like, Arkham sort of where it's like open world where there's a story but there's also like side missions like you're stopping crimes you're looking for this and you're doing for that whatever so like there's collectibles to find and whatever and so there's always things to do I don't know that that carries over I'll find out but okay. I beat the main story last night I have 100% like I did all the side quests cool. so now there's I think three downloadable packs that I'm doing and then once I do that then I will go do the Miles Morales stuff so that'll be sometime I guess this week I don't know I don't know how long the DLC is I think it's like a couple hours each so Simpsons still great. Seinfeld still up and down. Nothing really to report there. I will, I will, I will leave. I will bring in good Seinfeld news when I have good Seinfeld news. I like the episode, the first one where they go to Florida, oh. um, where they visit. It's the pen where they go and he gets the pen from the friend. Like yeah. that was my that was my favorite episode in a while. But like that's a good the rest one. of the season so far, like through four episodes, I've only liked one of season three. So I'm getting there. I, I'll I will get there. I think I hope. But because I really like the show, sometimes it's just not the all with the, the time. pen. The pen is really great. And what's his name? Jack. Yeah, I don't remember. Like they he don't, comes my, back. He's he's like my friend mentioned. He's like this is the first time we see this character. I'm like I don't know who that is. Like it's like I know a lot of Simpsons. Like everybody knows a lot of Simpsons characters. But like he said this name. Like I was supposed to like oh my god. Like this is his his origin story. Like I don't I don't know who this guy is like who he's like oh it's one of jerry's parents friends i'm like okay who gives a shit like i don't you know like it's a cool character or whatever but i'm like it's not like oh this is the first time we see like comic book guy or whatever you like yeah. I, don't, you know, I don't know and then on sunday i watched three great movies so i'm on a really good sunday streak now so i started with judas and the black messiah okay. which is on hbo max that's about the black panthers in the 1960s oh, cool. with daniel kaluuya and uh like keith stanfield which is great. Then I watched, what was the old movie? Oh, I watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I don't think I'd ever seen before. I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark a bunch. Like, I know that one inside and out. But I wasn't sure if I had seen Temple of Doom or Last Crusade. Temple of Doom is, is my favorite. That one's oh, so Oh, it is fun. objectively the worst. It is very, oh. it's not It's not bad, but like, problematic. The, the, the woman is kind of terrible. Yeah. There's a lot in there that's just not good. But like Raiders and Last Crusade are like masterpieces. And Temple of Doom, I was like, okay. Like, it's not <laughs> bad, but it's not good. Like, it's just like, oh, whew, okay. Uh, yeah. Misstep. But I guess it's also on brand for you to the one that I like the least, you'd be like, oh, that's my favorite. So that's, or, it's just or fun. Steady. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, when was the last time you saw it? Beginning of quarantine when I made, oh, Rachel really? Watch, that recent. Okay. When I made Rachel watch all of the, which one starts out with like the musical number? It's Temple. Yeah, that's, that's the best part of two. And then it's all downhill from there. Oh, no. I, okay. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun, so. Uh, but yeah, Last Crusade I loved, and I don't think I'd seen much of, so that was a nice little treat. And then on Sunday night, I watched Minari, which is the new movie that's up for Best Picture, basically, about the Korean family that moves from L.A. to Arkansas, so the dad, who's Stephen Yun from Walking Dead, so he can start oh, a cool. farm. Cool. It's very sad, but also very joyous and hopeful and optimistic and just, you know all around great and there's a performance in there by a little like everybody who's gonna talk about this movie and everybody who is already is talking about this movie is gonna talk about the performance of this like little seven-year-old kid who just absolutely steals the show like he's so goddamn good and so uh it i think it's deserving of all the accolades it's getting but that's uh, cool. that's 
I think uh, it's a VOD movie, so it's not like Nomadland, which is on Hulu, if they pay for this one, but both worth checking out before the Oscars in, I guess, April? I think, I think that's Noms come out soon, right? Rachel was just telling me Noms come out, like, the end of this week or sometime soon. No, it's not that soon, I don't think. Month? They end just of this they, month? They, I think the end of the month, yeah, because I think they finalized, like, what's eligible, and then there's, like, a period of voting for the for the people to, to watch and vote or whatever. By what's eligible, it's like these 2,000 films are nominated for Best Picture, or not nominated, but, like, eligible. Like, it's not like it's not a really whatever or 500 or whatever just like some crazy like it's not helpful it's not like oh i'm gonna see all these it's like oh no that's just like literally every movie that came out or whatever right so yeah but yeah that's about it i think uh weather's getting warmer which is nicer because i'm hoping i really want to go to a yankee game i don't know if they're gonna have fans in stands but new york state is allowing like the islanders have fans right so did they that's have fans that's weird penguins had fans last night the first it's time. weird like it's indoor like the oklahoma city thunder as of the time of this recording just came out yesterday i think or maybe this morning and said they're not doing any fans at all this year and they're the first team in the nba to do that like the nets the nets are allowing i think 10 percent capacity so like it's it's almost nobody and i don't even know like i looked on stubhub and like there were either no tickets or like it was only like i don't know who i don't know how you get in there hmm. but like i want to go to yankee game because i like the yankees more than like the nets but also because it's gonna be outdoors and it's probably gonna be more and it's gonna be warmer it's gonna be later in the year and so no i was thinking that yesterday as i was watching the thing you know that um you've gone with me before i like going to mets games just because i like city field uh-huh. and it's just like as the weather was like a little bit sunny but a little bit chilly i was like you know what like it's feeling like it's due and being outside you're right although like what i like about city is like milling around and like i don't know if you really be able to like mill around to like hang out at mm-hmm. those tables like it feels like sort of a sketchy thing i will say that like one of the coldest i've ever been at a baseball game was at City Field in April. I'm like, oh God, this is freezing. Because like my mm-hmm. mom donated blood and I got free this. tickets yeah. in the fifth deck. And I was like, oh my God, like it is so goddamn cold. But I've been colder in Minnesota because we went to a baseball game when, as Justin will know, and as you might know, uh, they have an outdoor stadium, which makes sense for Minnesota for no reason. Yeah. But it was raining in September and we were freezing when I went there like a decade ago. And then I was really cold in San Diego, too. I think that was like just more like perception versus reality. Like, oh, it's San Diego. It's gonna be nice. It's like, oh, no, like it kind of gets chilly and breezy at night because like it's on the water. Right. So I've been very cold at a couple baseball games. Like it's uh, bring a jacket is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. an old person now. Bring a jacket. Bring a coat. Yeah. Dress appropriately. Yeah. We have a Patreon page, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, West Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 level or above. The aforementioned Montez just joined me and the resident story Mike Manzi on John Brooks' podcast. Yes, I heard. To kick off his second season. So that episode is out now as you listen to this. So go check it out if you want to hear us talk about uh, media that reflects 2021. So like depressing shit, I think. So like not exactly sure what we talked about, but uh, yeah, go check that out. Talked about the leftovers and stuff. So pretty cool. Cool. We have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And we've got a couple emails today. So first up from Jenny McMullen. What's up, Jenny? Good to hear from Jenny always. Every time I post a thing on the Patreon, which again, too fast, too far.com. If you want early access to episodes, if you want to support us over there, it sends out an automated email. That's like the post and you can listen to the episode on Patreon or whatever, right? I'm going to skim a little bit of the email, but she was confused because I think this was an early access episode. And I think like I didn't make it very clear, but just it's an early access or whatever. Did you get her hooked up on their Patreon feed and the, uh, and her podcaster thing? I try, I sent the thing and I will, I will go into that. So 
I've never been able to use Patreon. She's talked about this before because it won't yeah. work. There's like the spinning yep. circle or whatever. Yep. She says that she didn't want to, she wants to make sure that she's not missing the intros because she says what I would miss, strangely enough, as there's continuity involved, is the minute. So she likes the minute, which is pretty oh, cool. Oh, cool. That's really cool. She says, I'm in the hear. process of finding a job closer to home, so her 45-minute commute may be reduced soon to 20 minutes, which sounds great. Fingers crossed for you. I know that that sucks, so fingers crossed. But you will still be my go-to commuting podcast, mm. and I will be unsubscribing from many others because I likely won't be able to listen to them at my new workplace. So congratulations on making the cut. Oh, thank you, Jenny. That's awesome. She's been around with, like, she's been with us for a while, so. Yeah, she was the first person that we didn't know who emailed into Zach Attack. We were like, oh, people actually listen. Like, we knew people listened to it, but, like, people actually, you know, Jenny opened the floodgates. Yeah. She says, I've been meaning to write a while, write for a while now to let you know about my t-shirt purchase. She says, I was a little disappointed when I opened it because it's a thin fabric and a bit brighter purple than I thought purple Heather would be. But I looked mm. up Heather. It's actually a fiber that mixes gray in with the color, but it's not very noticeable in the shirt. That said, it's comfortable. And now I actually like its thin fabric and the color has grown on me. I've included a picture for you guys. So here's a picture of Jenny in her shirt. And this is the first time Let me see. I've seen one of these with the original logo. And it looks great. Like the, it looks the, the great. original logo looks really, really good. It does look great. Wow. That's awesome. Very cool. Thanks. So then I responded to Jenny. I was like, here's how to get the feed if you want to get it. And she says, maybe someday I can go back and listen to these as they'll work as standalone pieces of art. Haha, I can be funny too. Thanks, Jenny. P.S. <laughs> art is in the eye of the beholder and you two are creating masterpieces. Well, thank oh, you, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to hear from Jenny, man. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Good luck finding a job closer. Before people work from home, they're like, how can you work from home? I'm like, have you tried it? Like, it's the best. Like, it's absolutely, <laughs> it's the best. And then people work from home. They're like, oh, I see. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Dude, I really wish, I like, I say this to my boss all the time, that, like, I wish that I could work from home. But, like, 90%, 95% of my job is just yelling at people not being safe. So, Well, what you need is, like, a live feed camera. Like, you need one of those pet cameras where, yep. like, you can talk to your cats or dogs. But you just like have that baby in, monitor. in the lab. Yeah, basically. But, like, a baby monitor you can talk through, right? So, yep. And our last email from Jason. Hey, fam. Sup? Hey, what's fa- what's up, fam? How are you doing? Birthday went well. Thank you for the shout-out. P.S. Dom Toretto figure looks awesome. Stay fast, stay furious, ride or die. So he puts in a picture of this action figure. I saw it. He posted a company it on called Joyride. Today. Tom with the, sh- the shades and the muscle shirt and the big old muscles and his charger, right? The 70 Dodge. I didn't Dodge know they made action charger. figures. I didn't know pizza places made engines. <laughs> yeah, true. But that's all the emails for today. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, thank you for writing in. If you want to leave us a review, do that on iTunes. And Joe, we have made it to the big time. What? We have our first not five-star review. Someone gave us two stars. So hi, hater. But also, thank you for keeping it on brand. Too fast, too forever, two stars. So yeah, thank you. We were 24 in a row at five stars. Then we got one that was two stars. So I was like, oh no. Is there like a, there's not a review either? Not yet. Oh. Maybe next week. I don't know. I, I really want to know what inspires someone to do the two-star rating. Like, two, not is, a one two is star. interesting. One makes yeah. sense. Five makes sense. Two four is makes like... a little sense. Two and three are like, I don't understand. Like, what do you... Actually, yeah, I don't. I even take back with the four. I think one and five are the only ones that make sense. It's either like I hate this thing and want people to know, or I love this thing and I want people to know. Yeah. Anything lukewarm in the middle? It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, you took the time to do it, but I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So I'll Damn. keep an eye out, see if they leave a review, or yeah, if they leave a written review. Whoever whoever left us two stars, just know that you're five stars in my heart. I just think I just like that it's on brand. Maybe they didn't want to give five stars. I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. It's better than one, it, but it's it's an interesting choice. I agree. There's a lot of Fast and Furious podcasts out there, and we're happy that you chose this one. We did get a comment on YouTube that was like, what the fuck is this? And just like, I don't know. It's a podcast. No. <laughs> he said, what is this, bro? And I was like, it's a podcast, bro. Thanks for listening. <laughs> well played. Uh, Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Is there anything you have seen in the last week? I will say Gal no. Gadot pregnant with her third baby. So congratulations to her family. Damn it. That's I did. I did see that. Rachel mentioned it to me, but she must have seen it on social media somewhere. So, yeah. Third baby, though? Third baby, yep. I didn't know that she had two babies already. She's got two babies already. Damn, good for her. Yeah, friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, sent that to me on Instagram, so shout out to her as well. Must have been where Rachel saw it. Any other news? Because I don't think I've seen anything. No, nothing. Although, no, Jason did post, I don't know if he sent it in the note, but what? he posted that the soundtrack for F9 will come out May 1st, I think. Oh, that's cool. That is cool news. Yeah, thanks, so, Jason. Pretty, pretty cool. Young Rock last night. Young Rock, Young Watched Rock. It this morning yeah what did you think of it it was an interesting pivot for this episode to kind of be revolved around his mom and her story mm-hmm. mom and grandma right so that part of the story makes sense to me right like the because that's like his grandma is is the wrestling promoter that like all these people are wrestling for in hawaii and so like they introduce vince mcmahon now and we're talking about wwf all that part tracks this episode did feel like his mom's kind of literal coming out party, right? Sure, yeah. And that she was getting more screen time. And the actress is great. I like her, but it was like, if we're in episode three and it's already like focusing on his mom, what the hell's going on here? So I'm just know. curious how they're going to play it out. There has to be something greater happening than just like the show is going to become about his mom. I appreciate other shows that do like sort of character centric episodes. Maybe they're setting up you know, his relationship with the mom for later, because this is the young youngest of the young rock, right? Like this is the elementary school largely, right? And so Yeah, and we stayed with him the whole time. Yeah. The Hawaiian scenes, the scenes on Hawaii definitely reminded me of Samoa. Yeah, for sure. Obviously. And my only other real note, and this is a minor, minor spoiler, but his presidential slogan, because in the show, remember the framing device is that the rock or Dwayne Johnson is running for president, but his campaign slogan is one family called America. And I was like, whew. Yeah. I like pushing that too. all the right buttons there. I'm curious to see how this plays out with Vince McMahon and stuff. But you know what? Now that I think about it, I was like, Vince McMahon might not like this because, you know, it's kind of painting him in a bad light. Well, he paints himself in a bad light. So, like, let's keep also that true in mind. Too. All publicity yeah. is good publicity to wrestling, sure. right? Isn't that right? But the other thing is, is you have to remember that The Rock wrestled in WWF forever, too. So... As much as his dad might think that, like, Vince McMahon slighted him and his stepmom, eventually The Rock was the biggest wrestling product for years during the Attitude Era, so he has to have some kind of relationship with Vince McMahon that's not bad. Right. Yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, like, this makes Vince McMahon, like, look like a... Like, he's gonna be, like, the villain in this show, but yeah. in reality, like, eventually he goes to work for the villain, too, so what well, doesn't matter. Exactly. So there have been three episodes of Young Rock right now. If you are listening to this on the main feed as it comes out, new episode tonight, every Tuesday, I think, new episode of Young Rock on NBC and then on Hulu the next day. So if you want to follow along with us, and again, we're not it's really good. covering it, we're just talking about it. But yeah, it's good. It's very good. I, I like it. Just it, It's, dude, it's, again, it's super heartwarming. It's just like a gentle-ass sitcom that's very inoffensive. And just like it's it's wonderful for Wednesday mornings coming down from Temptation Island drunkenness the night before, <laughs> right? Like I get like both ends of the spectrum, like the worst people on the planet, and then like a really wholesome show. The final thing to do before we take a break and bring in the Heather is to talk about the Fast and Furious Minute. We're closing out the turbocharged prelude with minute six, a minute I called 
I could get used to this. <laughs> So in this minute, while driving, Brian seems to debate between New York and Miami and chooses Miami. We learn that Miami is nothing other than hot women in bikinis and tuners. And then the video ends. And that's the minute. I was saying to you that when I loaded this up, my initial reaction, because the minute is actually 72 seconds. Yes. And I was like, ugh. But like 30 seconds of that is just the closing credits which is three things. It's Geronimo Film Productions, Inc. Yep. Produced by Chris Palladino. Yep. Directed by Philip G. Atwell. And that takes yep. like 30 seconds. So like actually, when the audio just heard, is like 40 seconds. So it's like even more lackluster. And like I said to you, this is the most boring of the six minutes. Like there's nothing happens. Absolutely nothing. There's a lot of lustful gazing. That's about it. Yeah. Some women only shot from the neck down. There's a lot of that. So many, so many women. So many women shot from the neck down, and that's it. You said, like, you know, this is, like, a very boring minute. You oversold it even with that. This <laughs> is this is pretty, pretty miserable for a minute. So the, the reason I named this is because there was a joke in Comedy Bang Bang that Scott Ackerman would do, and he when he had Bob Odenkirk on to promote the early seasons of Better Call Saul, he was like, give us a spoiler. Or maybe it was the end of Breaking Bad. No, I think eh, I think it was probably Better Call Saul. He's like, give us, like, give us a, a, a like, spoil the show for us. And so they joked about how, like, Saul, at the end of the season, would be on the beach, feet kicked back, my tie or whatever in hand, just saying, I could get used to this. It would never happen in the show, yeah. but just like this like idyllic like whatever. And so like Brian is literally in heaven. I mean, keeping in mind, I guess, that Mia doesn't exist, um, that he wasn't just madly in love with a woman that he left behind in Los Angeles, yep. but he's in a place where literally all we see are gorgeous women in bikinis cars. and cars, and that's it. On South Beach. Well, I mean, that, that sums up South Beach. I was talking about Miami today, and probably the most realistic part of this minute is that South Beach is just... Oh, hold on. I got, a, I got another... Or I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Oh! Which is still the worst hour of television I've ever seen, that The Decision by LeBron James. Oh, I forgot that that's... Oh, yeah, that's what that is, because he's like... Because he didn't say, I'm going to the Miami Heat. He said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Oh. Which I love LeBron, like, watching him in Cleveland. Like, I was so thrilled when he won the championship. But, like, also at that time, I was like, fuck you and fuck the NBA. And, you know, I've, I've come around and I enjoy it. Like, I was happy that he won another championship last year. But, like, not only taking an hour on nationally televised... Like, I think on ESPN... Yep. ...to decide the decision... Yep, I Where remember this for go. sure. I didn't remember but the, the phrase, taking my talents. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Yeah. Nope. Nope. It's very, you have to be very in love with yourself to want this. Mm-hmm. I, you have to have confidence to be, you know, a sports star, I guess. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I remember the decision and how lackluster it actually turned out to be. I remember it being hype. Like, yeah. and I remember watching it and being like, okay, you're going to fucking say it. 
There is one thing of note, though, to talk about in this minute, and these are the terribly, probably photoshopped signs, the the road markers. Yes. Because of how generally pixelated the entire thing is, I couldn't tell that they were super photoshopped, and I was looking for it. And, and apparently, like, the only place where this sign could really exist is in New Jersey, 276. 95, which isn't really far from my house. It's in between us. We would we would have to do this to go to see each other. But that's like one of the only places you could take this kind of split. But he like comes from Texarkana. So like yes. he would have to go way north. And like there's no way, there's no place in the world, I don't think, where it says left is New York and right is Miami. Like where would that be? Because like <sighs> if you're north enough to have a sign for New York, you would probably not be south enough to have a sign for miami and vice versa like washington dc is in the middle like all the carolinas like probably signs for atlanta like there's so many signs and like yeah why is that the decision like why is that i don't understand it yeah where was we were we were driving somewhere and there was a sign that's like it's it's much further the sign that like the destination that it gives you in the sign is much further than where you would normally go coming back from boston the sign says, like, New York this way. It's not even that far, but it's. I think it's something else. But either way, I agree with you. No no sign ever is going to have New York on one side, Miami on the other. Because like, you have Atlanta in the middle, Charlotte. There's, like, a bunch of other cities along the way besides Miami. It is wild and just, like, again, not thought out. It's just, like, the whole thing. So throw up the deuces in the rear view to turbocharge prelude, which... To the number two, be continued in Too Fast, Too Furious. Coming next week, our first minute for Too Fast, Too Furious, which I'm a I'm little so nervous excited. about because, like, visual overload, an orgy of sights and sounds. Hyper stimulating. It's like a very, very stimulating movie. I was actually getting excited watching Tokyo Drift because we watched it before we talked to uh, Linda Boyd, and I was getting excited for that minute too. And I remember we, I was like thinking, like, didn't we say we were doing them in one, two, three, right? Like, we didn't make a decision yet, but we, we were pretty much like leaning towards. Well, we have like a hundred episodes to figure that out. You mean if we're doing three after two or if we're doing three after six? Yes. I don't know. Probably three earlier. I think so too. I was thinking about it as we were watching it. So, but anyways, I'm really excited to start a new movie in a new minute for sure. Turbocharged Prelude. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad that it's over. (laughs) (laughs) This document is available to all of our patrons at TooFastTooForever.com. So if you want access to it, just send us a note. Or I think I posted the link before, but you know, things get lost on Patreon. Like Patreon's great. But the organization search is not great. So if you want access to this, just send us a note. You know how to get in touch with us. Yeah, you do. And I will send you this. And also the 256-page minute document. Because this is a new page, new sheet, new document altogether yeah. for Too Fast. So Are we going to keep it separate from Too Fast, Too Furious? No, I'm going to keep... I think this is... I think we should do the Turbocharged Prelude and Too Fast in the same doc. Okay. I could see either argument. It doesn't matter to me either way. Well, I just think that, like, if we break it up, literally no one will ever look at <laughs> look at this document. Like, there's no reason to, right? That's so, fair. Yeah. I just want to throw a little bit of love to Philip G. Atwell's creation. His I don't know why, His but, you know. All right, let's take a break. Let's bring in Heather, and let's talk about Fast and Furious 6. Fast 
169, Fast and Furious 6. This episode is brought to you by Everest and their Peak Cool Tank, which has a low operating cost of $8 to $10 a day. Shout out to Everest Cryo Tanks. Well, shout out to them and welcome back to Too Fast Too Forever. Joining us once again for the fifth time this lap. Halfway through, Heather, we have finished half this lap. You are halfway home. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I know. Heather Antos. Hello, Heather. Hi. <laughs> so I, um, you know, you were you were uh, less than thrilled with five, which hurt my heart a little bit. And then you came for my beloved opening credits of Fast and Furious 6, which I've said <laughs> multiple times, like without without joke, without exaggeration, one of my favorite things about this movie. And you're like, WTF are these? And I'm like, this is a bad way to begin. But here <laughs> no, we no, are. No, no, no. I did that. To, to, to be fair. Okay. So the opening credits, I like, I don't hate them. Like, I didn't dislike them. I was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, it, it was just so new and not how any of the previous movies have begun. Yep. So so I was just like, uh, <laughs> I think I was just more so just caught off guard. Like, what the fuck is this? So we don't have an answer. My best guess, and I've never thought about it until just this very minute, they bring in The Rock to five and we have called him on the show before, Franchise Viagra. Mm-hmm. He lifts franchises up, right? And I bet when five was a hit and they have him and they were going to bring him back for a bigger role here in six, I'm guessing they're like, we have a bunch of new people who have no idea what this is about. Let's catch people up, which I think is a very useful, helpful thing. It's a cool thing. Yeah. I don't know why here and never before again, like every Rocky movie <laughs> uh-huh. begins with the end of the previous movie, which yeah. doesn't need to happen. Like there's no. no reason for that other than like, hey, if you didn't see Rocky four, uh, let's show you the end of Rocky four in the beginning of Rocky five. It's like, cool. Okay. I don't know why they decided to do it here. And spoiler, they don't do it again. Like, they it's don't a do it again. Thing. It's just literally no. this one. See, like that's, and, and, and that's, and, and I will say I was so thrown off by it and was probably too busy blinded by the tears that were coming out of my eyes from laughing so hard. Like, yes. If you were looking for it, I suppose it quote unquote catches you up, but I don't know if that necessarily works, would work for, someone who like had just this is the first and only fast and the furious movie they'd ever seen if they you know yeah. probably not you're probably right you know what i mean it's if not they, really catching you up it's just it's, not, it's sh- like it's just like a montage and like you know opening credits and stuff like that like i don't necessarily pay attention to plot wise yeah <laughs> i'm just like oh it's a cool a bunch of cool shots of paul walker great you know what i mean and then move on like i'm not following the story they're telling me this is the first time that i noticed it i, I was watching them extra closely because i saw your your tweet about them and this is the first time joey i noticed that there's los bandoleros parts in this intro Did i saw that? that yeah so there was like the my biggest confusion and confusion might be the wrong thing but my biggest confusion with the opening credits here was i'm like when was dom ever in front of like not windmills but like oil rigs <laughs> and that's in four like eventually when yeah. i saw it, i'm like oh my yeah. god here we go but yeah it's uh yeah but like the los bandoleros cut in i was like wow it got equal screen time as like <laughs> A lot of the other movies. Equal merit, man. Equal merit, but it's really a lot shorter. So, yeah, it was interesting. Well, before we get into the movie in earnest, Heather, we have one very important question for you. Okay. We're pulling a job. You know, last time we just scored $10 million each. Yeah, but I thought we retired afterwards. Why are we pulling a job? Yeah, you took job? the money and run. You, yeah. You didn't even answer the question. you just like, I want him out of here. I'm but out. you're back. You, you went, you blew it all on hookers and coke. Whatever you did, all the money's gone. <laughs> penguins. You, you I just bought job. penguins. You bought penguins. 
we're like, okay, we gotta do one more job. You son of a bitch, I'm in. Heather, are you a racer or are you a designer? Are you out in the field doing the thing or are you like in Spider-Man, Ned in Spider-Man, the new ones, are you the man in the chair? Are you out in the field? Are you the racer or are you back in HQ giving us directions like you're a designer? Oh, I'm 100% Oracle. Okay, so you're a designer. Okay, Absolutely 100%. Makes sense. So are we, so are we. Insurance is cheaper that way. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I've said a lot that no podcaster is Letty. Like every podcaster (laughs) is Mia because it's like, you know, if you're Letty, you don't have a podcast. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to generalize too much, but like if you make comic books, you're probably also not a letty. You're probably also not a racer. It's like there's a different kind of personality and demeanor. Yes. And, you know, it's... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. If you were a, a writer or an artist, you could 100% be a letty in comics. Oh, okay. 100%. Okay. A lot okay. of these, just, just as uh, FYI, a lot of these, especially the artists have been doing this since they were 16, 18 years old. And so they've never actually had a quote unquote real job in their life. Mm. Um, and so responsibility is is a struggle for some Interesting. people. Not, not to disparage against comic book artists. They're very, very great. But uh, some of them do tend to lean towards the... Uh, sex drugs and rock and roll lifestyle well i will also say that ties into our one of our quiz questions joe okay on the first one about when did dom first meet letty she's kind of always been around i mean she you know she, that's not the right answer i'm trying to find the answer right now what is the answer here uh she got into cars at age 10 so just like these comic book artists got into drawing or writing or whatever at like 16 18 you know letty got into cars at 10 and she probably never had a real job she just worked in dom's garage or whatever so she is in more ways than one, maybe like some comic book artists. So very astute, Heather. Thank you for that insight. I'm here for you. So now, with that out of the way, what is your cool moment? What is your cool moment here for Fast and Furious 6? What is the most cool, the most badass, the best moment here in Fast and Furious 6? Ryan, don't lose that cool of yours. That's your meal ticket. The best moment was when Gina Carano's character was revealed to be a bad guy. And I was like, I was right. I called that. Oh, okay. You saw that coming. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, probably because it was Gina Carano, but, um, okay. (laughs) Touche. Yeah. (laughs) For whatever reason, the second that she walked on was introduced as the rock's partner. I was like, Oh, she's a bad guy. Like, I, I don't know why, but just for whatever reason, I just, I just, my, my editor brain just saw it. And then, you know, at the end when she, or not the end, but towards the end, when she reveals that she's a double agent and working for Shaw, I was just like, yeah, it makes sense. i'm I'm very i'm very very glad that you saw that because it took me three watches in a row to remember that she does a heel turn and it got me for like three viewings yeah yeah three viewings in a row i didn't remember that she's a bad guy heather you should not use joe's brain as a single source of truth about anything (laughs) no no it's it's, it's the most unreliable narrator you will ever encounter it's very true but i'm saying like the first three times we watched this movie for for the bad guys i was like damn i totally forgot that she's the bad guy like every time it got me and like i had just watched the movies before so oh my goodness you know i know that this franchise probably thinks it's smarter than it actually is but i do think that this is one of the reveals that it actually covers up pretty well other things that have been sort of telegraphed or whatever or that like aren't actually surprising like you and four think back to four like like that's like 
It's like, of course, that's of course, that's the case. This one, I feel like is sort of surprising and is actually unexpected. I mean, maybe it is like, you know, like, you know, come and babe or whatever. Like, I wouldn't miss like, I do think that this is one of the better times that the franchise does a misdirect that actually works pretty well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the reveal is good. And I and they didn't think had any like glaring wink wink nudge nudge i'm a bad guy you know like they didn't have anything like that i i don't know if it was me just you know my history with storytelling just being like this is going to happen eventually because this is a trope that we see you know all Mm -hmm. the time because gina carano's not the best person in the world it just works i don't know i don't i don't i truly could not tell you what telegraphed it to me personally but something about how she was introduced like literally the second that she walked on i was like she's gonna be a bad guy and i could not tell you why because i didn't i didn't even know that she was in this Perfect. In spite of the fact that you were not surprised, that's still your pick for the cool moment, her her heel turn. No, 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 not her. The fact that I was right was the cool oh, moment. Oh, so, okay. So that's not that's not really an answer to this question. <laughs> that's you not giving this movie a compliment. What is your, what's the cool moment in this no, movie? No, uh, the first, so the first actual cool moment that I wrote down, God, it was at the beginning with Shaw. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, Hobbs. This was a Hobbs moment. So it's when Hobbs has caught one of Shaw's guys at the beginning. The bad guy's like, I ain't telling you shit. And Hobbs is like, I was hoping you'd say that and then beats him up. That was cool. Yeah, the bald yeah. guy that does like the yeah, Vin Diesel yeah, yeah. fake out. That was super cool. And then the other one would be, and, and it's like I've mixed feelings about this because killing off women for the sake of just killing off women to make the audience feel things pisses me off. Yeah. But so when Giselle basically sacrifices herself, I'm like, from a story perspective, it pisses me off because, again, the reasons I stated before. But uh, she had agency in it, which was very cool. Yeah, basically Giselle died so that Wonder Woman could live. Yes, 100%. Yeah, true, true, true. So that that, uh, Steve Trevor could die. (laughs) Yeah, so Steve Trevor could die and then come back and then, spoilers, go away again ah gotta love it but but the but her agency in making that decision was really cool yeah she chooses to sacrifice herself to save the man she loves which again kind of to a certain extent i think your point like kind of fridging her but also giving her like you know but she had a choice in it it wasn't it wasn't you know a bad guy killed her so you know so so han then is just like hooks out and gets revenge right it wasn't (laughs) right it wasn't to necessarily further his story in this moment it was just to guess make the audience feel things which isn't also great but here we are cool okay i like that joe what about you what are your cool moments for fnf6 i mean minus the like the big action set pieces which i think are pretty cool we talked about it a lot but i have to come back to it the beginning with giselle and han and like when they do the the guns pointing different ways, spin camera. Oh, the Mister and Mrs. Smith. Yes, that yeah, yeah. that's just like such a like. I mean, that whole scene with like I'm a citizen of the world and stuff like that is cool. But like the moment when they have both guns and it just like across each other, that's really cool to me. I wrote that down. I mean, my first one was opening credits because of course it is. But also, you know, just a line. I'm a citizen of the world because that's my favorite Gal Gadot, my favorite Giselle line. Like I don't, yeah. you know, yeah. doesn't mean much, but also means everything. Exactly. Did you have one? Did you have another cool moment? Oh, I, I wrote down a bunch. Let's see here. I love that everyone drops everything to help Dom. I think it's a very familial moment as well. Like, 
you know, Roman on the plane with his honeys yeah. uh, flying wherever they're going. But, like, wherever Tej is, wherever Roman is, wherever Han and Giselle are, like, everyone drops everything. Like, it's a level of respect and appreciation and love that I think is pretty cool. Like, I think there's a real sense of camaraderie here. Speaking of Tej, Tej telling Hobbs he's got this when they go to the auction. Just like, no, man, I got this. Like, don't worry. Like, that's... One of Tej's cooler moments, I think. I think that guy that at the auction is probably one of the uncoolest moments <laughs> of the. Movie. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm like the more that I watch this movie, the more I'm like, God, can we please rewrite his lines? Like they're just, I, I don't like them. Like they're they're like an old person writing. A, it's, I guess yeah. it works, but it, it's just like stop. It's so cringy. I just don't want to even hear it. Uh, the he's a man scene because again that's oh, sort of Giselle yeah. and Riley taking control of that situation. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. That's a good one. Hobbs, a him strong arming his way into the security footage. I think him handshaking that guy to death basically is pretty cool. <laughs> That's a level of cool that I could never be either. Yeah. I just wrote, like, these aren't all, like, exactly, like, high level. I will pick one to, like, to be my, my official pick. But, like, Tej modifying a harpoon with a tank of Nas is pretty cool. <laughs> I think yes. that's funny. My actual pick is probably Dom catching Letty on the bridge. That's what I was, yes. I think yeah. that's, like, up there. That's top tier level moments for me that's that's what i was thinking too and then you know like heather said about riley's double cross and giselle saving han but then not only the return of 1327 i think is a very nice moment at the end but i think dom emerging from the fiery wreckage is another pretty cool moment that he is like literally rebirthed like a phoenix (laughs) rising from the ashes heather sense the impeccable characterization here but he has been reborn out of fire comes dominic toretto is that why he's bald did it burn yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah, the hair probably. off? Is that, is that, yeah? He's always coming out of fires in slow mm, motion. This makes sense. So he has no hair. It's all the, what is it, the nitro or whatever? Mm. Nitrous, yeah. Yeah. So Heather, talk, talk to us about this. What did you love? Did you, overall, did you like this movie? Do you? How does it compare to other movies in the franchise? And are you uh, already still, again, once again, regretting your decision to do this whole lap with us? This one was one of my least favorite. Really? Um, yeah, not and not because like I I didn't like hate it or anything, but it you know, I for whatever reason, I just was having a really hard time connecting to it and quite well, it's because you watch it on a friday not a sunday like usual well i mm. think that's a huge part of it but i couldn't watch it on sunday this week it's family day i thought we were i thought we were family sunday watching i i i, I had an anniversary date man i oh, had true i had okay. blame tyler damn it tyler but we watched paddington so oh that's cool joey will appreciate that there yeah. you go oh don't worry i texted joey i let okay. joey know <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm I'm all about it. So Paddington took precedence. Uh, no apologies there. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, there there was stuff about it I liked. I liked uh, this, this movie kind of did what I spoke about last time, which is, you know, the opening scene needs to ground needs to ground the viewer and the the reality and rules of the bizarreness. Right. Sure, yep. mm-hmm. And and Furious Six does that. That opening scene is crazy. Right. Yes. It is bonkers. It is balls to the wall. Like, and, and I appreciated that because, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, okay, this doesn't make sense physically. <laughs> and we're going to kill everyone right off the bat. Cool. So, so I did appreciate that. That made, you know, the later stuff where it's super crazy and explosions and cars flipping off of bridges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I bought it, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I'm just really, really struggling with the tropiness of everything. And I'm wondering if, and again, I hate, I, I'm, I'm going to, to hate myself for saying this, but uh, when I watch them again, I hope I can appreciate it more because I know what I'm in for. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, and I really hope that it is, I feel like you would have settled into it by now. Because like by now, like they're not really hiding. They're not masking what they are anymore, right? They're just like, this is what we are, better or yeah, worse. But my like... brain, but my brain is still trying to find logic. <laughs> my brain is still trying to find logic. Yeah, you got to turn that part off, though. That doesn't turn off, though. It, it just, it just, it does, it doesn't until I fit, until I finished it. I need to finish it. It's like how I hate watch like shows like Pretty Little Liars or like Gossip Girls that make no sense. And I hate, and I hate watch it the first time and get mad at myself for watching it because it doesn't Well, like Sex and the City, which you just exactly. did. Exactly. Same thing. Yep. Um, I hate watch it. And then once I've completed it, then I'll go back and rewatch it because I enjoy how much I hate it. Mm. Okay. In a loving way, if that makes sense. Well, as long as you love the movies, that's all that matters. <laughs> well, we're still working on that, but there's, there's, we haven't <laughs> lost hope. Yeah, I mean, I, what, I, I really did appreciate the, the, how they tried to weave in, you know, complex villains in this one. That was a really nice turn. This chapter had probably the most complex storyline of all of them so far. Is in a good, are you saying that in a good way or in a bad way or both? I think, I think I appreciate it for them going there. But I think because there are just 27 million characters in this. Okay, yeah. And a lot of big action sequences, it does make it hard to follow everything all the time. Because there's just a lot going on constantly. I don't think it should surprise you to learn. And I don't know what the actual divide is here. And it might just be the end. But at some point, this was two different movies. That makes sense. The bridge sequence where there's the tank was the climactic scene in one. Because like even as you're watching it, you're like, okay, like we're like an hour 40 in. Mm -hmm. They finish that. They go back to the base and there's like a breather. And it feels like Mm -hmm. the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a, oh, no, there's another act. That makes so much sense. And I think I would have liked it a lot better. Split? Yeah. I think there's something magnificently stupid and glorious about the world's longest runway. But I think it also, like we've talked about that a lot, but I also think it does kind of to a certain extent lessen the amazing spectacular stuff of the bridge in a way that like like there's a there's a handful of mission impossible movies that have like major action scene after major action scene like just um, like the craziest set pieces Mm -hmm. that somehow feel additive in a way that it's not like in fallout it's like oh like this is a a thing that like i'm gonna forget what tom cruise was just doing it's like they all they all come together toward a bigger thing Mm -hmm. this feels like we won and then there's like a whole other thing and so yes i love both things individually but i think it would be better if they were separate no i agree with that 100 percent. and now i want to and now i want to rewatch that with that in mind and see if i enjoy it more because it did it did hit a certain point for me where i was just like oh my god this movie is so long like when will it end and and not from like a like oh it's so bad but just like i don't know where they're going anymore because it it felt like the arc had happened so that's that's interesting and i wonder why that happened you know we'll talk about in two episodes because we're going back in time to tokyo drift and then in two episodes with you we're going to go to furious 7 and that there's like theories and i don't think like the official story of furious 7 is that nothing ever changed like paul walker died but what's the story we wanted to tell and like we're like "Mm, i don't don't know yeah that's not true it feels to us like they shifted that like Mm -hmm. they had to just out of necessity like oh no our star passed away how do we save this movie? And I know mm-hmm. that that's like a 
cynical way to look at it, but also, you know, it is what it is. Well, how many other times in cinema has that happened? A lot. Exactly. <laughs> this one, though, it's not like they encountered tragedy. It was mm-hmm. just like, let's mash these two up. And I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I think know. they just had another set piece, but not another movie, is what it feels like to me every time I watch it. Where they're like, well, what if we did this action scene? And they're kind of like debating on which one's cooler. And then they're like, uh, well, like, that's not really a whole movie. So like, let's just do this. Is it a thing? And we all know this happens way too often in Hollywood now. Is it? Is it an instance where the script was written on set? I... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like where it wasn't finished and they just, because this happens way too often in movies sure. now, especially those big blockbusters where they have concept art of scenes and they just fill them, film them and then it's up to the director and editor to make a story make sense out of all of it. I wonder if not all of it, but maybe part of it fell to that. Like, they're just like, it's a cool idea if we have a tank and a jump across the bridge. Yeah, and... yeah, because a lot of times how a lot of big action movies get made is 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 it's a, you know, unless you have a Kevin Feige who's orchestrating everything, a lot of times it's like, I have concept art of these cool things happening, right? Right. We got a location, we got the stunt team, we figured it out, we're going to shoot this, write this scene. Okay, now now the, the, the bridge tank explosion is done. Great. All right. Well, now we have this runway and we're mm-hmm. going to do this runway scene. Cool, great. You know, you know, and th- and then they do that and then and then they just kind of like force the puzzle pieces together. I think Rise of Skywalker is a perfect example of this going wrong. I can't see it going right too often. It's it's expensive to to do right cuz that's that's honestly why you get so many reshoots these days. That's why you hear every single movie having reshoots because they looked at all the footage that they did get and they're just like, what the fuck story can I make out of this? Where are the missing pieces? Okay, let's go film those for as inexpensively as possible, aka mm. CGIing an upper lip on Henry Cavill. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it happens more often than, than you'd like. So not saying that that is what happened here, but I wonder. Like, I, I wonder too, like, it, it feels like maybe, but it also feels like it's such a big thing that unless they had like another script, like maybe they were writing, because like a lot of these movies, the other thing to keep in mind, in the same way that like everything's being rewritten, it's like while they're making this movie, they're also beginning work on the next movie, mm-hmm. which is why James Wan comes in to direct seven because Justin Lin didn't want to start work on that while he was finishing this. So I'm wondering if like they had a script that they were working on and just couldn't get to that end sequence. I'm like, well, we can actually make it work here. So I don't know if they were rewriting in time or if it just came from something. I don't know, but it does. I am fascinated. I would be fascinated to learn more about the why of it all. Totally. Yeah, no, 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 no. This, that's, that's really interesting. One thing that super confused me, and I don't know if I just like read way too much into this, which is oh. entirely possible, but I was like trying to track the timeline of a lot of this stuff from what I took from five is the post credit scene in five. They tease Letty, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like that happened not too long after the events of five. Like that happened, I would say within a couple of weeks, right? Hobbs goes back and yep. then they're just like, she's alive, right? So like at the end of five, when mm-hmm. they're on the beach, Mia is probably like six months pregnant, right? And right. so the end of five, not kind of the credit scene, to the beginning of this is probably three months. At most, it's three months later because then, you know, he might turn around and immediately go to Dom. But it does feel like he finds out, finds out what she's involved in, 
formulates a plan. But yeah, it's all definitely a compressed window. It's not by any stretch super extended. Right, 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 right. So I guess my biggest thing is like, why did Hobbes wait so long to go to Dom? (laughs) Because it seems like... I think bargaining chip, it feels like to me, like he's like, oh, like I'll keep that in my back pocket in case I ever need Dom's help. This was the perfect time to get Dom's help. I mean, Dom's help, but it's so conveniently connected to her specifically. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that is You know what I mean? True. Like, I can't, yeah. because because I watched this, you know, last Friday, it's not all fresh in my mind. I have a note here that's like, in credits was like, four to five months ago, WTF is Hobbs showing up to Dom now. So, so there was something that specifically triggered that, like, this timeline doesn't make sense, but I think I tracked it correctly and and it's just she has to have the baby now for plot reasons right so <laughs> well they, yeah, they need a reason to exclude her from the action it's right. like oh she's home taking care of the baby right so because women can't do things when they exactly have you children. know it yeah it's no who knows I... it better than a woman right you know exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can't do anything 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah so i don't know i don't know i will say and i texted you this joey uh uh-huh. That, you know, there was a, a thing that actually really impressed me. Which was? So I think I discussed this when we did the first film. I have a background in the stage combat. I teach fight choreography. I've done stunt work for films, that sort of stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not going to lie. It's been really, really bad in the previous films. Okay. Um, especially the first one. Laughably so. There was a couple things in the first movie that just, it was very amusing to me, fight choreography wise. But this one was like legit. Like I was watching, especially the um, Gina Carano and Letty fight. Yes. That is one of the best hand-to-hand fights I have seen in a movie. And part of that is obviously Gina Carano like is a fighter. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. I think that's what was so impressive about this too is like obviously we have The Rock who is, you know, has a history um, with fighting as well. And so we got some really, really cool fights in this movie that like I was super impressed with. Well, I think what really pays dividends here is to your point, they're bringing in actual fighters. Like, The Rock is, if nothing else, a showman, right? Yes. He comes from the world of WWE. We've got yeah. Gina Carano from the world of MMA. We're going to continue that, I think, in future movies. We're going to bring in more people. There's another name. I want to make sure that I get the name here. Joe Taslam, who oh, is the other nice. guy. So he's the guy in this movie who fights also. He fights the cops in the underground. He's part okay. of Shaw's crew. Yeah. Uh, but he is one of the leads in The Raid Redemption, which is one of the best martial arts yes. just fighting yeah, action yeah. movies ever made. They are bringing people in, like, sort of spoilers in terms of casting, but, like, Tony Ja will be in Seven. Like, they're bringing people in who, like, like as the franchise morphs into a different thing where our characters are all leveling up. Like, our, our listener Wes coined the phrase or knows the phrase or shared with us, Automancer. Mm-hmm. Like, they touch a car and they get better at it, right? Mm-hmm. As these movies go on, they all become super spies and super hackers and super drivers and super action people. But the, I think the franchise does do a really good job. I'm glad that you appreciated it and pointed it out that they're bringing in people who, like, can carry their own weight and be like, no, I'm going to kick ass on screen because, like, this is what I do. Oh, yeah, no. And, like, Gina was doing her own stunts and, like, some of that stuff in that London underground fight, like, that's, like, legit dangerous, very, like, hard stuff to do. And, you know, as as much as I may not have super enjoyed 
the film as a whole, like, it has definitely made a mark in my, in my mind of, like, the fights in it are, like, 100% badass and worth watching. And, like, I, I will go back and rewatch it specifically for that London Underground fight scene alone. That's really cool. And I will once again say, and I know that we are, uh, that Gina Carano has been in the news a lot lately for yeah. uh, reasons that we do not need to get into again, but... Her movie Haywire also has some of the absolute best fighting yeah. scenes I've ever seen because she's just like what she is good at. She is incredible. Like there's a reason she's cast as like the lead Absolutely. in action movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that that stuff is 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 killer. And yeah. I also want to go back to your previous point about why Hobbs waited so long. So there's a there's a there's a there's a line in this movie that I might have heard. We might have talked about Joe. I honestly can't remember. I was thinking recently, this is our fifth year of doing this. Like, we're coming up on our four-year no anniversary. I mean, it's not been... We started in 2017. So, like, I'm really, like, fudging the numbers here. But, like, you know, we've been doing it for, like, three and a half years, but it's the fifth calendar year. It's just a way to make a sound, you know, we're the longest running <laughs> in no sense of the word. So, we might have... I don't know. We might have talked about this before. But at one point, Shaw uses the line, Hobbes' usual wannabe warriors. Like, he is admiring from afar the fact that the Toretto crew is better at their job than, quote, Hobbes' usual wannabe warriors. And I wonder if the reason he waits to go to Dom is he tried to use other crews mm. and it didn't work. Mm. You know, because it's they're criminals, right? So maybe he's got, like, actual, like, above the board. But did yeah. he kill some yeah. of them last movie? Like, wasn't that part of the last yeah, movie? Yeah, that was, that was part of the, like, his crew was killed. Um, yeah. and that's And that's why he worked together with Dom and everyone. But, like, you know how, like... In seven, and I will not detail this further. You know how there's the other there's the there's the other person, Joe, who seems to have like other groups of people, and like our group is just one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like this could be the same thing here. Like Hobbs, as a DSS agent, has other crews that he calls, and like even if it's not his actual team, like his, his like subordinates, he might have people who are like the Toretto family or like the Shaw family, but not criminals that mm-hmm. he calls on or that are on the payroll or whatever. And this maybe because it does kind of feel like to a certain extent, they're like a last resort. Mm-hmm. And that only true. when he has the leverage that he knows Letty is alive, he knows that he can get the best crew in the world or whatever, however you want to describe them to get in on the job. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, just going by Hobbs's personality, it could be just purely an ego thing where he was, did it, tried to do it on his own and couldn't do it and this is like last ditch desperate measures. yeah also true also true because like him going to dom and being like yo bro i, I need, need you yeah. <laughs> like i don't see that being an easy call to make right bro i need you i need you real bad bro yeah <laughs> <laughs> i need to bro down bro i'm gonna bro? write i'm gonna write the next scripts um <laughs> Did you ever watch it? I sent you. Did you watch the Fast Five, the the Today Now, the Onion video that we talked about? No. I mean, it's a joke about how these movies are written, but it's just, boy, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's also, perfect. question, does Luke Evans ever play a good guy? Uh, He's not a bad guy in Beauty and the Beast. He's Gaston, right? Gaston is, the, is a bad guy. Gaston is the embodiment of toxic masculinity. But I mean, and generally, he's also a bad guy. 
I guess I don't know Beauty and the Beast the way that I thought I knew Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I'm just glad that I pulled the name Gaston. Oh my god, how dare you defend Gaston? That's disgusting. <laughs> we had this woman, Gwyn Watkins, on who used to write for a bunch of different publications online, and she was basically telling us how like she not fell in love with Luke Evans, but like loved talking to him because he was just like the greatest dude to interview. Mm-hmm. So like we've got some fondness for him based on, I guess, just our interaction with Gwyn. Yeah, I mean, he. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but I, I'm just, I was just but you're trying right. to... His cast is bad guy. I think he's (laughs) always just a bad guy. But he looks like a bad guy. He just has a bad guy face. And like he has that rough British accent where it's not it's not super posh like this all the time. You know, it's very like rough and like gnarly. And so and he yeah, he always looks kind of grungy. I don't know. I want to see him play play a good guy. I'm going to look at his filmography later and see. Well, no, I mean, well, I would I would steer clear, steer clear just to, to save some maybe some spoilers. I did just search Puke Evans, though. That was a nice typo. Puke Evans. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel, Joey. I like him, man. That's what I feel. So on our scale of bad guys, he's he's lower in the franchise, I think. What do you mean? What do you mean by what do you mean by lower though? Uh, not as bad. Not as evil. Oh, 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 yeah. No, I don't not think... Not as evil and I don't, not as... I don't think he's evil by any means. He's an opportunist and he's kind of scummy, but, like, I don't think he's necessarily evil. He just wants to sell to the highest bidder. There was a movie that came out four years ago, which, Heather, you might know about. Do you know Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman? No. No. So it's about the origin of Wonder Woman, but the, like, kink version of it. Oh, 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 I have heard of this. And so it's about a psychologist couple, and he plays the dude. The BDSM Wonder Woman, yeah. He basically takes lovers, essentially. Like, his wife kind of co-teaches the class, but it's back in, like, the 50s or the 60s or 40s or whatever it is, and, like, she can't actually teach school or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, because society was great back then. Still great. He, like, takes a lover, and, like, it's this young woman, and they they have this, like, poly relationship in this movie and he kind of creates wonder woman around this sort of thing but like he's the lead like he's not a villain at all in this movie so really and i'm butchering the plot but it's a great movie um i do recommend it i think we've maybe talked about it on here before but professor martian the wonder woman he's not wonder women plural he does not play a bad guy Mm -hmm. is he a bad guy in the hobbit I, th- I still think he has a bad guy face. Anyone who is involved with the Hobbit is a bad guy. Okay, that's fair. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> what else about this movie, Heather? Anything else of note that you want to point out? Either things you loved or things you hated or things you have questions about? Personally, I hate the amnesia trope, amnesia trope sure. storyline Like as a reason to bring someone back. like It's so 1980s. How did you feel about like her rebirth in general, though? That they brought her back. I hate it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And not like beyond I, the amnesia. Yeah. And I, no, 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 no. I don't hate that they brought Letty back because Letty is great. Yep. I like her as a character, but it pisses me off because again, that she was quote unquote killed just to advance Dom's storyline, mm-hmm. and now she's brought back with amnesia to advance his storyline so they did it twice yeah (laughs) they did it twice to her and she has literally no agency in anything that happens do i think she could have been killed in a way that is more gives her more agency absolutely could she have been brought back in a way that gives her more agency and makes her more of a badass 100 million percent yeah she goes undercover as a spy right and she's right. just like brian that's, sends me undercover and that's like, I'm an back option now. she's doing yeah. it this way to protect him right mm-hmm. 
something like that because she took the job with Braga to protect him so maybe this is her other way to protect him or maybe she's just like fuck this life I don't want to be you know I'm doing this because of reasons x y and z now I'm working with the FBI whatever but no she has fucking amnesia and then it becomes (laughs) and and it's it's we see with Shaw, he's just like, yes, and now I can use you and mold you for my own. Wahaha, <laughs> I have an evil mustache twirly. You know, that was the part of him with his writing room, just like, that's weird and gross. Like, why was that monologue necessary? I don't know. It skeeves me out more and more as I watch this that he's like, oh, I needed a, a woman with a blank slate so I could mold her. It's and I'm just so like, oh. gross. No, you did not. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely didn't. That was that wasn't part of because you have other people on your team that aren't am, that just like, willingly work for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not it's not a thing that you did need. You just and it, and it wasn't and it necessary and it wasn't necessarily because it was Letty specifically. It was just I'm a gross man and this is a bad thing and therefore now you clearly see me as a villain. Part of the other ickiness is that not only are they using her death to propel the Dom storyline, but they're also using it to propel the, like, how powerful Shaw is. Like, when Brian goes to prison and he's talking to Braga, and he's like, Shaw is so connected. He knew that you had an informant in there before, like, the DEA did or whatever. And it's like, it's like, I think, a way to read it. I don't know if it's whether it's intentional or not. Brian and Letty are doing a thing to help Dom for whatever intentions, right? She, again, is used as an object not to propel Dom, but to show, to demonstrate how powerful and evil and manipulative Shaw is. He's like, look, uh-huh. he can see everything, and he took your girl out before she even had a chance. Like, look, she's u- she's useless compared to him. or whatever. Like, that, <laughs> it's like, it's that storyline, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that whole thing was weird and didn't really make sense, and I don't think it worked as well as they intended like i think that whole were... thing as in the prison sequence or what yeah yeah yeah. that prison sequence and also just making shaw like to be this like mastermind villain. so you don't think the interconnecting between movies worked i i don't mind that and i okay. don't mind that they like know each other because all bad guys know each other in every movie right like that's yeah. That's totally fine and and a trope that I don't care about. I think this whole, like, we want to build Shaw up to be this evil mastermind villain just didn't work for me. Because why does it matter in the greater scheme of things? It really doesn't. They're building towards something. No, no, no. And I get that they're building towards something. But, like, it also needs to work within this sandbox, right? For me, it just didn't. And I would have to go back and, like, rewatch to to be more specific on that i i don't buy him as this evil masterminding villain because like what's the what's his end goal he really doesn't have one it's not to take over anything it's literally just to sell to the highest yeah it's power and money yeah but there's there is more and i do i do think and without spoiling future movies there is more to it at play here but i do agree that they maybe could have done a better job of setting him up like even if he's not the big bad He's the big bad in this movie, right? So yeah, and I think I think what it is is they built up Thanos, right? Like we knew Thanos yeah. was the mm-hmm. big bad. 
before we even met him, right? It but was... I think going back, like that's the Kevin Feige thing. Like the Fast and Furious does not have like they have the right. cabal no, 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 of like exa- no, exactly. Chris Morgan and... and Justin Lin and Vin Diesel, but it's like I don't know that they have the like now they might, but they didn't back like six years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. Well, no, 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 and and I and I agree with that, and I say and I and it's that that hurts this, right? It's, sure, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's that that hurts this. It's like going back and with like Spectre, right? Like Spectre was for James Bond was was to me a flop because they tried to play it off like all of these films are connected and the storyline has been building since the beginning and I'm behind all of it right except it feels so unbelievably forced because none of that was fed in any of those previously previous movies you know and it's also kind of like mysterio in um the last spider-man movie where it's like i'm gonna show you how i have been involved in everything because i'm gonna force that into this movie so right you, you know what i mean and so it's it's that stuff where it's like i get it obviously and maybe at this point they're just like yeah we're just gonna keep making these until until we keep making we stop making these and so they probably didn't really have a super long-term plan Aside from, yeah, and we'll do another one, and maybe we'll bring these guys back, right? Well, like I will that. <laughs> say that this movie, for better or worse, not not for better or worse, that's the wrong phrase, but this movie does begin the pivot, I think. Like, I think uh-huh. whether they knew it or not, I think they see the finish line from here. From here And out, this yeah. movie, yeah. into seven, into eight, presumably into nine, is building toward a greater narrative. And I think up to this point, each thing has virtually been standalone. Mm-hmm. Even though the characters continue and there's like, you know, callbacks and whatever. This is the first one where I think they're trying to actively build continuity between movies. And whether or not they do it well, we will find out from you. And I'm assuming your answer is going to be no. Just, <laughs> just a guess. But uh, I'm picky. They are, I'm sorry. This is, this is kind of the pivot point where they are, and Joe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like whether intentional or unintentional, like, you know, having to deal with Paul Walker's passing, like this, they do seem to be starting here. Like things are connected. It wasn't yeah. just no, a no, standalone. And I, and I agree with that. And you can definitely see that here. There is definitely a tonal shift in this film that there wasn't in the previous ones. Maybe that's because of the opening credits. Who is to say? <laughs> but... <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that was the start of it all. It's really the Bilkins of opening Maybe, credit, Maybe that's like the demarcation. Say. He's like really like, okay, look, look. This is the real opening, yeah. This is the real opening. We put all that stuff behind us. This is where we begin. It's all connected. Yeah. Like the wire taught us, all the pieces matter. Exactly. Exactly. No, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah. No, there, there's definitely a tonal shift in this, and, and that's totally okay. Um, and But this is definitely the one where you're just like, yes, and this started with Panasonic uh, DVD players. And still, <laughs> I still just want to know what actually was the extent of that operation to what end? How did it start? I have so many questions about that first movie that I'm just never going to get answers to. No. Never, ever. And never, except, ever. Except maybe maybe Fast 9, will they'll go back full circle. I feel like they listen to us, so hopefully they do. That's what I and want. there's two more after 9, so who knows? I don't know. I do have, speaking of full circle, I do have, and I... I feel like I've had an idea like this before, and it might be the same exact idea. I would not be surprised that I'm like, oh, I have a great new idea, and it's the same thing I said like last lap. But I have an idea of how this franchise ends. And it's Jack. Well, yeah, of course. But (laughs) it's Jack. It's Brian and Mia's son, who is like 16 years old, and he goes out to the garage, and in there is a skyline and a charger. And he starts walking toward the garage, and we cut to black. Because you don't know what he is. Is he a Toretto, or is he an O'Connor? And just, you never know. 
He's a, he's a man of two worlds. Heather's silent as she does not give a shit about this ending. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a snarky reply and I can't come up with one. Well, because like in this movie, they set up, you know, like you're already forcing those tuners that the skyline's yep. on them or whatever, right? And he's like, you know, he's a Toretto too. I want him to not like cars and be a total environmentalist and go back to the horse and buggy. Well, you're, you're getting really close to actually a plot line where they revamp this whole thing where he's like, I like electric and he's his own man. He just wants like te- like to modify Teslas, and that's the next wave. Yes, I want this. This is what I want. Any other points? Any other thoughts? Any other notes? Any other questions, Heather? Before we play a couple games. Oh, I have a note in here. The rock's muscles make me physically hurt. <laughs> They're so big. Um... Do, have you noticed that we, we we talk about this a lot, but I don't think we brought it up with you yet? Is that like as the movies go on, Vin Diesel and The Rock are having like a buff, like they're having a fitness contest. Oh my God, the veins pop. It's painful. Like it is just painful to to look at them at times. I'm like, they just guys. keep getting bigger as it goes. Like they, they physically get bigger as yeah. the movies go on. Vin started as like a, a really in shape, good looking dude. And now he's just like a big muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He and is... not like in a bad way. It's just like you you look like yeah. kind of like modelish before. And now you look like a bodybuilder. Like there's a sh- there's an active shift active. in what you're doing. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And then the other notes that I wrote down at one point is Paul Walker got old. It just it just hit you. Just like snap. No, there's just I think I had this thought during five, but like clearly he's not getting injections like most of Hollywood. There's some sun sun damage and wrinkles on that face, which is great. I love it. He looks like a normal human being. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's only like 38 here or 40. Yeah, like he's not, not, he's that not old. actually old in any way, yeah. shape, or form. But like for Hollywood standards, he, sure. he, he looks quote unquote old. And I think part of it too is like we have his natural hair color and not that god awful frosted <laughs> tips from the first one. His hair journey is the is the biggest story arc in this entire franchise. And he also like he doesn't smile as much. He's not the cute, chipper, smiley. He's serious. He's so much prettier naive when he smiles. FBI guy. <laughs> he is. He's he's so much prettier when he smiles and he keeps really his mouth more. shut. He should be seen and not heard. <laughs> Honestly, probably possibly true. <laughs> Joe, any other thoughts, any other notes for you on this movie? I have one, but I don't know if this will devolve into like a really long conversation. But I have I have a question that I was thinking of when we were talking about Letty. And who do you think it's the shorter end of the stick in this franchise? Mia or Letty? I, Mia kind of pisses me off a little bit just because like she's so sidelined all the time that's what i mean that's bad right she's sidelined all the time and is like well you're the feminine girl so you don't actually get to do cool things um you have to be a mom yes and which does suck but i think letty is fucked over way more because her whole story Literally, her whole story is just how do we make how do we make the audience feel things for Dom? That okay. is it. That is her whole story, which is just so insulting to me because she is such a cool badass character, and she did get to be cool and badass in the first one, and hasn't since. So I don't think there's a wrong answer because I think that they're both fucked over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, who gets done dirtier? So I think that Mia is never set up to be an actual main character. Mm-hmm. Ah, I think she's okay. always viewed as like yep. a secondary character. 100%. And so in that regard, it's Letty. Mia was never meant to do anything. But I also think that Letty, like, there's like something about Letty that like, you think of like the the, the, the three names you think of when you think of this franchise, maybe like it's Dom, Brian, and Letty, maybe, right? Like the three of them. Yeah. Letty, not in two. We talked about this before a lot, Joe, mm-hmm. but 
Letty, spoiler, not in three. Mm-hmm. Letty dies 15 minutes into four. Yep. Letty, not in five, except the post credit scene where it's a picture of her. And then Letty in six, it's not really Letty because she's amnesia Letty. So, like, one of the core elements, the core parts of this family is barely in the movie. And so, like, to a certain extent, yes, she's been shortchanged, but it's also, like, when you think of the franchise, you're like, oh, she's actually she's a core part of it. So, like, there's a weird kind of, like, subversion of, like, oh, no, she's actually really important until you think about it. You're like, wait, no, she's not actually. No, no, hey, hey, hey. And also don't forget her very important role in Los Bandoleras to show up and be sexy and make out with Vin Diesel. Still a great short. I I will not it. hear, I will not I hear slander about Los Bandoleras. <laughs> Or it was important enough credits. to be in these in these opening credits. That's all I'm saying. I will also say, it's sort of a vague sort of spoiler, but the Jordana Brewster as an actress kind of gets the shaft because when Paul dies, they kind of send Mia away with Brian. She's going to be back in nine, but she's not in eight. And so like the actress, I mean, it's an unfortunate causality of Paul Walker's passing, but it's like the actress and the character therefore kind of gets shafted because it's like, how can we have her but not the other ones? Just like, well, it's kind of easy. Like, he's just off on a job, right? But they didn't do that, so. No. Yeah. The answer is both of them. They both. Yeah, they're both fucked over pretty hard. All right, you want to play a couple games? Sure. First up, this ain't no 10-second race, a.k.a. Boy Do We. Boy Do We have a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. Have a podcast for you. This is where we go on the Twitter.com, the Bird app. We find any tweet from anybody who we think might like the show. Respond to them with Boy Do We have a podcast for you. See what they say. So last episode, I found Justin Her at Heisenher. Fast Five is on Sci-Fi. It's my favorite Fast and Furious movie. Hours two. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Justin liked and retweeted, so I get three points, baby. Good job. You're on the board. There you go. Back on the board. Up to 32 and a half. 32 and a half. Nice. Joe, you found Elliot, the final boss of P5 is capitalism at Selkie underscore AU underscore lover. About the fan fiction yes to tweet thread whenever i watch another fast and furious movie with my roommates i must immediately figure out if i want to incorporate anything into street racing au and unfortunately when we watch tonight makes me want to write a whole sequel to the fic that's only half done fast and furious the fourth one except the fridge girlfriend is akira and he's not actually dead goro and ryuju are on opposite sides of the law and infiltrating the crew of the person responsible for his quote-unquote death and also they make out yeah. And then Akira isn't dead, and they kiss him too. And we yep. said, we would like to see Akira in the Fastiverse. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Heather, you found Jen D'Angelo at Jen Likes Pizza, quote tweeting Dwayne Johnson about Young Rock. I wrote on the show, and if you offended my lightly el- attended my lightly elegantly Fast Five-themed wedding, you'll know how excited I was to do so. Tonight at 8 on NBC. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. It got two likes, but one from you. And one from the show, friend of the show, Melissa Lynham. So you, unfortunately, Ugh. get no points. Did Jen ever get back to you about her wedding or no? She didn't. I'm very sad about that. Jennifer. I know. Damn. I want to know how you have a... F- yeah. I, I just still have so many questions. Yeah. I agree. I have many questions as well. I'm going to... Hold on. I didn't Google this, but I'm going to Google this. Fast and Furious Wedding. Because I'm just oh, curious shit. what comes Ooh. up. You might open a whole fucking box. I don't care. Oh, my care. God. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bang it so we can do two at the same time. Get oh. those points, baby. Yeah. No, 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 it's just actors getting married. Unfortunate. Okay. But, you know, I'm glad you did the legwork. There's there's <laughs> a Pinterest called Fast and Furious Wedding Theme Ideas. Ooh. Cool. Very, very cool. There's a whole board I, about it. Is I'm it sure where you Pinterest kill works. all the innocent civilians? 
No, it's just a lot of pictures of skylines, apparently. Oh, boy. Like, that's another thing that I, I take offense to, that you and your Twitter follower, your your cronies on Twitter complaining about that. It's like every movie, every action movie now, there's there's needless carnage. Can we make Heather, like, a, a fan club name? I was thinking Antmosphere. Well, it's probably just the Penguins. The Penguins. What's a what's a pack of penguins called? A waddle. A pod? A waddle. I was going to say the waddle, but I hadn't. you need another W for the alliteration. A group of penguins in the water is called a raft, and a group of penguins on land is called a waddle. The, like the waddle warriors or something? The waddlers. The waddlers. Do you like it, Heather? I don't. I, I, I don't want a cult. Do you, everybody wants a cult. I don't. Whether you want one or not, you have one, baby. Like, put the <laughs> ring out there. You've got to embrace it. You've got to lean in. No, I'm good. Thank you, though. Heather, you sent me a tweet. What is your tweet for today? Can you please read your tweet that you found? So from M Space Ike, I assume, a.k.a. Mike, at PS Vita owner. Okay, Vita. nice. Wow, yeah, he likes his PlayStation Vita. That's cool. <laughs> Apparently. Um, Fast Five, Fast and Furious 6, Furious 7, F8, Tokyo Drift was his answer to a quote tweet um, by Rachel at Max Fisher's. In your opinion, what are five must-see action movies? Oh, I picked such a similar tweet this week. It's different, but it's so similar. That's so funny. And Rachel writes for Talk Film Society, who is uh, our... We have a couple people in our network, in our extended network, who write for Talk Film Society. So the Rachel, the original tweet... You know, in our in our network. So this is a pretty good tweet. Good find, Heather. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. I'd like, I, you know, I'm going to go with the classic. Boy, do we have a podcast for you? I think that's very fitting. All good. All good. Oh, ooh. Joe, you like mine? Please, yes, yours is very similar. Please hit us with that. It's a quote tweet to Victor50 asking, he's saying, what movie can you watch a bunch of times? Is what, Without is getting what, bored. Yep. Is what mm-hmm. Victor is saying. Bushmaster, a.k.a. Killa F. With an A-H, Killa F. says, every Friday movie, every movie starring Jet Li, every movie starring Bruce Lee, every movie starring Will Smith, this Christmas, and every Fast and Furious movie. (laughs) Where does this Christmas (laughs) I don't know, but I really like that part of it. The tonal shift was great in this tweet. He sets it up well, too. He, like, the the structure of the the response is good. So, um, Bushmaster, at Killa F, we love Bruce Lee. And Fast and the Furious. We haven't gotten bored yet. Or like, we're watching them on loop repeatedly. I'm just saying, we're, we're watching them on repeat and we haven't gotten bored of the FNF yet. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. I found Burnest Hemingway. Burnest? <laughs> Is this Wells Burner account? I don't know, but I loved everything about this. Okay. At Washed Up CEO. <laughs> The bio is this job calls for at least seven samurai. Like, everything about this is just fantastic. Okay, nice. Playing the Tokyo Drift song as I skid around a corner in the Chick-fil-A parking lot at 29 a.m. I saw this tweet. I almost <laughs> picked this. I almost picked this tweet. Such a good one. Oh, that's saying, so funny. I'm saying drift, drift, drift. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> Perfect. Because, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like literally a race against the clock. It's like, okay, it's 1020 on a Saturday morning, and I want breakfast. I want fast food breakfast, but I know that the place is four minutes away, and if there's a line, I'm fucked. Yep. Uh, so how can I get there as fast as I can before breakfast ends at 10.30? I mean, it's the big daddy dilemma, right? Like, we, we saw it all the way back then. Yeah. McDonald's stopping serving breakfast. Like, just breakfast all day, but shout out Burnest Hemingway. That was great, yeah. I liked it. We have one more game to play. Dude, what's my car? Dude, what? My car. What? Your car, dude. Heather, once again, joining me 
on the right side of history over here. Yeah. Okay. And we are doing a car picture from Jerry that Jerry sent in in October. And actually, Jerry sent in a new car picture during this episode. So we will get to that oh, at some point. We have a bunch from him. Cool. A couple more from Hector. We got a bunch still to go. But this one just called Car Pick, October 20th, 2020, 722 in the evening. This is a supercar, Joe. This is American. Okay. I will say it is a white, possibly silver, depending. It's an overcast day. It's hard to tell the accurate color, which I know is difficult. Uh, this one's, this is white. Okay. This is white. It also comes in black. Ooh. It's the newly crowned fastest production car, reaching 331 miles per hour, tested in Nevada, beating the Koenigsegg Agera RS 2017, record on the same path by 47 miles an hour. So the old Jesus. record was, I guess, 284. This clocked in at 331. Starting price, $1.9 million. Do I hear an opening bid of $1 million? Oof. Why, why is this opening bid at half the starting price? Well, because I'm work, trying to, I'm trying to him, drum up interest. Yeah, you got you to gotta get them juicy, man. Okay, there is okay, a reserve. Okay, the okay. reserve is 1.8, but, you know, okay. just trying to get it up. Uh, it was it was manufactured in Washington, I will say that. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-door coupe. Sports car. Supercar, yep. Mm-hmm. I think I remember reading about this, but I don't remember what the fuck the name of this thing was. It's not like a common manufacturer. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. It by... looks like a, a car that I would race in like in a Forza Horizon game. Like it looks like a Koenigsegg. It looks like a Bugatti. It looks Spy like racers? A... Spy no. racers? This is not helpful, but the manufacturer kind of looks like the like a Halo call sign. A Halo call sign? Like the video game Halo. The manufacturer. Oh, I'll save this sweep. Uh, this, 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 this for later. It's a, it's a, it's a good hint that I'll save for a little down. Butterfly doors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, I've gotten to the part in uh, Eastbound and Down where they have the uh, truck with the like the suicide doors that like go out and up and just like Kenny Powers always awkward getting into the it's truck. So. Named after a type of reptile. In Australia and New Zealand, a Kiwi yes. reptile belonging to the genus Sphenodon. Known for having the fastest molecular evolution of any living animal. Did I use this as a sponsor once? I feel no. like I did. No, I don't uh, think so. The, they're reptiles, uh, although caimans. resembling most lizards. Caimans. No. They are part of a distinct lineage, the order Rhinsophalia. Their name derives from the Maori language and means peaks on the back. So if you speak Maori, Joe. <laughs> Let me, oh, fuck. No, I only know peaks on the face in Maori. It was designed by Jason Castriota. Triota? Okay. Yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely no way that, like, you're going to even come no. close to this. Go ahead. What is it? I, I have another hint. Um, the manufacturer was formally known... As Shelby Supercars Inc., but it doesn't go by that anymore. They got That's rid of a weird. bunch of letters. That's really weird. So Shelby like broke off, but Shelby still exists. Maybe the supercar division broke yeah, off. Yeah, maybe. That's that's very strange. I didn't know that that happened at all, ever. Well, think about what Heather just said. Heather, repeat okay. that one more time. The manufacturer was formally known as Shelby Supercars Inc. Oh, that doesn't help. I, it, it doesn't even think it, I, I was going to give him like a, a very easy clue, but even with the clue, it doesn't exactly get you to the right place. But you can Joe, try. What's the, yeah. what's the shortest way you would abbreviate Shelby Supercars Inc.? Uh, the shortest way you would abbreviate it. Shelby Supercars, like SSLI. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So instead of Inc., what's another way you could incorporate, basically? This is getting a weird thing. It's this an SSC. This. SSC. Okay. Shelby Supercar, I guess. Yeah, corporation. Tuatara. Tuatara. 
Tuatara. This is Made in Richland, though. Washington, $1.9 million. Beautiful looking car. What what kind of engines did they use? Did they say? Uh, this has, hold on. Uh, the concept version had a 6.9 LSSC twin turbocharged V8 gasoline engine, but the production version has a 5.9 liter uh, Nelson Racing twin turbocharged V8. Nelson Racing. 1,750 horsepower. That's insane. That's really insane. That's cool, though. That's yeah, seven-speed f- seven transmission, automated and manual. Jerry did not send this picture in, but I found this on Google with the uh, suicide doors up and the ro- roof and the hood, basically. Oh, this one's also badass. Suicide. Yeah, right? It has, like, a really nice, like, red... It's like, like a Batman Beyond Batmobile. Yeah, it's this is badass. I want to see what the inside of one of these looks like, too. 331 is insane. Can you imagine? 331. Have, like, what's the fastest you've ever gone in a car? I was in, it was in an Uber in Las Vegas, <laughs> and we did, like, a buck ten, and we're like, you do not have to go this fast. Please slow down. Yeah. Like on the way from the airport to the hotel. Like in in like a Corvette Z06 that somebody was trading in across the Oh, yeah, street. also this was like a shitty car. Like this is not like a sports car. This was just like a, like a regular like street car that we were doing like 110 and we we're like, what is going on? Yeah, I think I think we hit like, the, I wasn't driving. The guy next to me, was, like the guy I was with was driving and we did, we, we hit like 130 and at like 130, I was like... Yeah, I'm terrified. And, like, it was in, like, a car that could do it. So I was like, yeah. So, like, 3.30 is, like, yeah, I would pee myself. I would be very, very ter- terrified. The inside's cool, though. Yeah, it looks like a wacky Good ass. looking car. It has digital stuff, too. It's not, like, it is a production car. It has, like, actual gauges and stuff. It doesn't look like the inside of a racing car or something. So, I mean, a racing car in the sense that, like, everything's manual gauges and, like, switches and... Not it like it has like a touchpad that you could like play music on apparently or something. So well, shout out to Jerry. Thank you for sending that in, Jerry. Yes, if you want to send in a car picture, family at cageclub.me. Send in a picture. We will make Joe guess it on a future episode. I probably won't know it. We've been on a really tough streak of like beautiful, cool cars that are like they're super rare. There's and, four yeah. of them in the world, and they're <laughs> based on a language that's not yours. And yeah. uh, it's a car. It's a manufacturer that used to be another manufacturer that has now renamed itself and abbreviated itself. But no, but they're cool anyways. I mean, yeah. we get there eventually. So for sure. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining us once again for Fast and Furious Six. Of course. I hope you enjoy. I hope you had a great time. Yeah. It's always wonderful having you. Thank you, Heather, for joining. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for. I'm. I'm. I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying. <laughs> it's okay. What I appreciate about this is that, like, we're not against criticism. Like, you have valid, justifiable, defensible reasons why you don't like these movies. It's the fact that Twitter is such a weird place where it's like you don't have enough time to long form articulate thoughts. Where then you send a tweet and then like people are like stop watching those movies. It's like. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Guys, relax. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Yeah. There, it's yeah. hot takes galore. That's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The passionate fans. Passionate fans. On both sides. Just, yeah. But just hot takes, one sentence yep. every time. Unbelievable. Time. Yeah. So, Heather, in two weeks, we're going back in time, sort of, kind of. We're doing oh, Tokyo yes. Drift. So the third movie. Okay. And you're going to watch the, after you watch Tokyo Drift, watch the credit scene from the movie we just watched. Cool. You got it. But after And there's only Tokyo one version Drift. of Tokyo only Drift. There's, it would be very funny if you're like, okay, didn't watch it tonight. Great. Let me fire it up next time and start with that. It's like, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Watch Tokyo Drift and then the credit scene for this. Sweet. What would you like to plug? Anything new coming out of Valiant? Anything new that you want to talk about? 
in oh, your personal my... not personal life, but you know, your your personal artistic future endeavors, whatever. Well, in my personal life, I'm going to be watching Paddington 2 this weekend. Um, Love it. which is the best movie of all time. That cannot be disputed. It's just facts. Mm-hmm. And as for comics stuff, uh Savage number two will be out on St. Patty's Day, actually. Very like, cool. When we record our next episode. Check it out. Uh Savage number two, kid fighting dinosaurs and London. What's not to love? Exactly. What's not to love? Now, does this kid have a gruff British accent like Luke Evans, or does he have a much more proper British accent? Oh, How do you envision it no, when you hear no. it in your head? He's he's definitely like uh more Luke Evans, rough, like he doesn't give a shit. Oi, bruv. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of written into it a little bit. Like, you can cool. hear it if you read it. So Okay. Cool. So in two weeks, when we record on St. Patrick's Day, we got all the big holidays here. We got Inauguration Day. We got the Capitol Massacre. We got St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Every important Wednesday we're here recording Day. this podcast. Yeah. That's in two weeks. But, Joe, next week we've got a double dose. One on the feed. One on the bonus of the Patreon. We are doing... I don't know if you've seen these movies. Have you seen the Lady Snowblood movies? No. Do you have you heard of the Lady Snowblood movies? Weren't they the inspiration for Kill Bill? Certainly part of it. Okay. So on Tuesday next week, we are doing Lady Snowblood from 1973. These are both Criterion movies. They put out a two-pack, like the two, like the two movies in one. So on Tuesday we're doing Lady Snowblood. And then as a bonus to our patrons only at too fast we are doing Lady Snowblood 2 Love Song of Vengeance, which I've not seen the sequel. I saw the original one. It's great. I'm looking forward to it. I've been meaning to see it again. It. Yeah, yeah, so I'm excited. That's cool. Because like, you know, there's a lot of samurai movies, but this is a female samurai movie, which is really, really movies. cool. Yeah. Next week, Lady Snowblood, Lady Snowblood 2. And then in two weeks, back with Heather to talk about Tokyo Drift and this credit scene. So if you're out there listening and you're a fan of Heather's, don't spoil this movie for her. Just, what are you doing? <laughs> like, think before you tweet. Tweet hot takes at her. That's all you should do. <sighs> that happens. Uh, all the time. All the time. All, all the time. time. For all things, for all things, for all hot takes, too fast, too forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash too fast, too forever, or at too fast, too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at too fast, too forever.com and our store, too fast, too forever.shop. Come back next week for Lady Snowblood. Sign up at the Patreon page for Lady Snowblood 2. And our bonus episode on finishing the game came out a couple weeks ago, so check that out. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks for Tokyo Drift. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Heather Antos of the Waddlers. And we'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs>